Hare Krishna. Yes, there's some question. Yes. There is a question from Ivan, Russia. Mm -hmm. In one of the apocryphal Christian stories, the words of Jesus are cited. Whoever does not see God during his life, he will not see even after. Do these words sound true? And what does it mean to see God during life? The key word there is apocryphal. So, which means of doubtful authenticity, allegedly attributed to, uh, it, it's a cautionary word. Almost saying like, probably not, but this is what it says. So the, the Apocrypha are books original, I mean the word, that's what it's come to mean in English, apocryphal, same, something that's of doubtful authenticity. But it comes from the Apocrypha, which are the books when they got together and they were making the Bible. And if there are any biblical scholars out there, forgive me if I'm being less than precise, but they were deciding, remember, Bible, bibliography, a collection of books. These are the books that weren't included for whatever reasons. So they were called the Apocrypha. They thought, oh, they're not reliable or for whatever reasons they were not included. So they became known as the Apocrypha. And in time, in English, something apocryphal means, they said, uh, doubtful that it's, but be that as it may, just to deal with the statement, right? It doesn't have to be from him. It's a statement that someone could ask. Uh, and just say that line again about if one. Whoever does not see God uh, during his life, he will not see even after. Yes. So, um, if you believe that this life is all in all, that's a binary presentation, like it's this, or it almost implies, then never. Um, that we can't uh, accept. Right? But the idea about culturing uh, divinity, um, that is there about, you know, trying to see God everywhere and in everything. Right? So in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, yomam pasyati sarvatra sarvam chamai pasyati, that for one who sees me everywhere and in everything, I'm never lost to him and he's never lost to me. So, the, uh, the inverse of that would be that if someone's not cultivating that kind of vision, then I'm lost to them, they're lost to me. Because even if he's uh, manifesting himself or making himself known, whether or not someone can grasp that, that's also there. It's, it's never force. I find it interesting and the Chaitanya Bhagwat, there's one section, more than one actually, but when Mahaprabhu begins, uh, so he's gradually making his way towards Vrindavan, and he's, remember, he's having Nam Sankirtan, there are a hundred thousand people following him, as we told, when, you know, syringe-like streams of tears, are coming from his eyes, whoever he casts his glance upon becomes infused with Krishna Prem, and it's coming to the notice of the local officials. And there may be two instances there, but the, there's one where Rupa Goswami is the advisor, which also makes this very dramatic. You know, uh, when we think about it, because sometimes we think our situation in the modern world is so difficult. Mahaprabhu appeared at this time. You know, it, it uh, 
was not uh, smooth uh, socially, uh, and there were dangerous situations crossing state lines and um, which area was under the control of whom. And so in one instance, with Rupa Goswami, the Nawab, or just say king, the, he's, when he hears about this, he, it's interesting, he says, he's got 100,000 people following him and they're not being paid. <laughs> In other words, he could think like, well, if they were being paid, then I could understand. If they were on the payroll and you're paying all these people to follow, okay. He said, but they're not being paid. So mm, is this a cause for concern? And Rupa Goswami is his advisor. So he's saying, uh, what is your advice? Or who, who do you think he is? And Rupa Goswami's answer to him is very interesting. He says, ask yourself. Go deep into your own mind and heart and sincerely, earnestly, ask yourself who he is. He doesn't, he's Rupa Goswami. He will later write so many books, so many, you know, you could say, Namo Mahavadanaya Krishna Prema Pradayate, Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gortasenu. He is the most, uh, you know, magnanimous uh, avatar. He's giving Krishna Prema to everyone. But he says to him, ask yourself who you think he is. And we're told at that moment, that Nawab, he, he's, he goes deep, like in the deep heart's core, and he says, I think whom the Koran describes as the Supreme Lord, that that's who he is. <laughs> uh, and then he says, so don't disturb him. Because before he was contemplating taking some sort of action, but as he thought more deeply, his heart resonated. This shows a certain level of sukriti and being able to have that sort of heart recognition and then express that. So there are many different levels. And, and Mahaprabhu, is, he's within the relativity of Mahaprabhu, right? the vicinity. Right, and he's hearing about him. In another instance, similar, uh, but um, one, one devotee who's part of the administration of a similar person realizes that Mahaprabhu could potentially be in some danger as he's traveling. So he goes to his camp to bring word. And, and Mahaprabhu thanks him for letting him know that. And he says, um, but if that time comes, he, I'm paraphrasing, but he more or less says, I have an A plan and a B plan. The A plan is, in his heart, I'll give some inspiration. And this is very interesting. He's saying, and if he doesn't accept that, I have a B plan. So he doesn't say, I will give him inspiration in such a way as he cannot possibly uh, reject it. He doesn't say that. He said, I'm going to give some inspiration to him and we'll see how he responds to that. And if he doesn't respond to it, then I have another plan for that. So it's again, recognizing uh, who sees me everywhere and everything. I'm never lost to him and he's never lost to me. Right. So, um, but what is that seeing? Right. In a purely spiritual sense, the Bhagavatam says, and in relation to Advaita Charja, bringing Mahaprabhu down. Just think of the power of Advaita Charja. 
the earnestness of his prayer that he can actually bring Krishna down as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Think of it in that way. The power of Advaita's prayer. And with what? Tulasi Dala Matrena, Chulasya Jalakenaba, Vikrinihite, Tunumsham, Bhaktivyu, Bhaktavatsala. Because Krishna's Bhaktavatsala, he's um, irresistibly drawn to the devotion of his devotees. It's announced in the beginning of the Bhagavatam that he is Swarat. He is completely independent. When Guru Maharaj would put that in Hegelian terms, he'd say, reality is for itself and by itself. And immediately, our response to that is, it sounds like we're not part of it. Right? That we're, he's for himself and by himself, and like, so we get nothing. You know, everything's for him. <laughs> you say, no, but if you understand what he's about, Rasaraj Krishna, he's ecstasy personified, and he's forever um, distributing, nourishing others with that ecstasy. That's his program. You should be part of that program. Right? Don't divorce yourself from that, but make your, uh, you know, join, make your purpose one, and then you'll benefit beyond your wildest dreams. So anyway, it's told there, he's Swarat, completely independent. He must be. Sometimes uh, uh, philosophers, they talk about necessary beings and contingent beings. Those whose existence is contingent upon another, and then a necessary being, someone who exists and cannot not exist. That's supposed to be the position of God. So, but he reveals in the ninth canto, in the um, story of Ambarish Maharaj and Durvasa Muni, uh, he says, Ahang Bhakta Pradino Hyasvan Tantra Ivadvija Sadhu Bir Bhakta Hridayo Bhaktaira Bhakta Janapriya. He says, I. Uh, in the presence of devotion, it's as, as if I lose my independence. And this is an amazing thing. And, and Rupa Goswami and Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu saying, uh, what, when he's describing the qualities, characteristics of pure devotion, he ends with, Sri Krishna Karshini Chasa. And an interesting choice of words. Because Krishna, a Karshan, he is. Um, drawing everyone toward the absolute center irresistibly. Why? On account of Krishna's beauty, charm, love, sweetness. Right? The central conception of the infinite. The extremes being Brahma at one extreme, all accommodating Brahma at the other extreme, smaller than the smallest, all permeating Paramatma. Right? And then, as Gurmai said, what is the central conception of the infinite? The golden mean of the infinite. Uh, all attractive. We're irresistibly drawn in attraction. And what is the um, proof of that being substantial? Is that uh, automatically one desires to give themselves Bhajaniya Sarvashad Guna Vishishta, that Krishna is so compelling that the response to substantial Krishna conception is to offer oneself in service, not to try and consume or enjoy or possess, but to offer oneself in service. So um, he uh, declares his, his independence there, but we're then we're told, so Advaita Charja, but with Bhaktivyo Bhaktivatsala, he's irresistibly drawn to devotion. What sort of devotion could we imagine is in the heart of Advaita Acharya? Right. They said the other day, Nityananda, he's the greatest canvasser for Mahaprabhu. We think generally Radharani, the supreme devotee, but as Guru Maharaj will say, that means also inclusive of Madhura Rasa, but everything up to that point Balaram Nityananda. 
So, Nityananda, Ekala Ishwara Krishna, Arsabhritya. If anyone could compete with Krishna, it should be Balaram. Right? He's the first other than Krishna, practically Krishna in every way, except he looks a little different. <laughs> but what is his mood? Arsabhritya, to be a servitor. Therefore, Anantadev. Right? Why is the name Ananta? He has unlimited service aspirations and, and fulfills them, expanding into these different forms. Why? To serve. That's the motivation for the expansion, is service. All service-oriented. Right? So then, uh, and, and by extension, because when we go from Nityananda, inevitably we reach Mahavishnu, and we're told Advaita Charja, variously described as Mahavishnu or uh, Sadashiva. So what sort of, if we take it from the Shiva position, then, you know, Vaishnavanam Yatasham, what sort of incomparable devotion is in the heart of Advaita Charja? Swarup, Rupa Goswami says, Swarupam Bibrano Jagatatulyam Advaita Daita. Advaita Daita. His, so he's saying, Swarup's position is incomparable. Swarup Dhamadar, Swarupam Bibrano Jagatatulyam in the world. And Advaita Daita, his dear Advaita. We know when Mahaprabhu Guru says, when he asks some devotees, how, what do you think of my Advaita? You know, like from, uh, what do you assess his devotional position to be? And someone said, like, Prahlad, Sukadev, and we're Mahaprabhu said, what? You compare my Advaita? Those are kids, Prahlad and Sukadev, some boys. <laughs> you know, my Advaita, you compare him to them? You know? So again, and that Advaita, after Mahaprabhu took sannyas, I mentioned to Gurudev when Siddhanti Marsh presented the religion of the heart, because we're sitting on, on the veranda in Calcutta, the set, veranda number two, the, uh, was it Sevak Bhavan? And, you know, we're both like looking through it astonished. And Mar he, he goes, Siddhanti Maharaj. Like, and I go, Maharaj, you know, when, when you're giving the highest substance, he caught it. It's a tribute. To, and like fulfilling the name Siddhanti Maharaj actually, showing that he grasped this. And, and I said to Gurudev, there are things in here that are not in Chaitanya Charitamritam. Because we hear in Mahaprabhu's final days, <clears throat> he's behind closed doors Right, the last 12 years of his manifest pastimes, particularly. And remember, 12 years is also a yuga. Right? I asked Guru Maharaj about that once, because Swami Maharaj is always saying, like 12 years or more. And I said, I don't get it. And Guru Maharaj said, yuga also means 12 years. So it's not an arbitrary time period. So that's an Advaita, again, who is it? Advaita, who brought him down by the power of devotion. He's the one who also gives him release with his divine letter, saying, you've done your public service of distributing Nam Sankirtan and flooding the world, Krishna Prem. Uh, now you're free for your internal purpose. So that takes place behind closed doors. Interestingly, what is amazing, in one sense, in, what do you say, in plain sight, Ratyatra, he's experiencing all these things and there's something very confidential and deep internal uh, going on internally, but not everyone is aware of it. Only the the inner circle is fully aware of, of the play between Mahaprabhu and Jagannath, Mahaprabhu as Radharani and Jagannath as Krishna. But these sort of, and the, we see the sort of ecstatic 
dance and symptoms Mahaprabhu is showing there at Ratyatra. But here in the Gangbir, behind closed doors, he's plunging the depths of Radhabhav and expressing the most intense sort of divine madness and ecstasy in the company of Srup Damodar and Ramananda. And there, what is he hearing? The Gita Govinda of Jayadeva Goswami, Jagannath Balavanatak of Ramananda Roy, Krishna Karnamritam, Bilva Mangal Thakur, and it says the songs of Chandidas and Vidyapati. And we have a few verses from Karnamritam, a few verses from, uh, in Charitamritam included, a uh, few verses from Gita Govinda, one or so, Jagannath Balavanatak, and the one from Vidyapati, just like a line, is sung by Advaita Acharya when Mahaprabhu is at having taken sannyas and fasting for a few days, wandering, and then by the tricks of Nityananda, Advaita, they bring him to Shantipur and then they collect Sachi Mata. And there, when they're singing and dancing, Advaita Acharya is singing and dancing. Who brought Mahaprabhu down? <laughs> you know? uh, and he's singing this line about, um, and it's really from the heart of Radharani, but saying, now I've got Madhava in my house today. Meaning, like after all this separation, again he's come. And that's the song Advaita Acharya is singing. Right? So, Chandidas, not, although it's mentioned, Mahaprabhu's hearing them behind closed doors with Ramanan and Sriptamadar, nothing, none, none of that is given. It's that high, that confidential. But uh, in religion of the heart, there's Chandidas song from Gurudev about Shamanam, the name of Krishna entering the ear of Radharani and the sort of effects it has upon her. And the point is made there by Srila Gurudev that no amount of, of union will ever satisfy the devotee. They're always thirsting for more. Well, you see, when Mahaprabhu and they go for the Netrotsava of Jagannath, and the devotee's eyes like uh, bumblebees, they're drinking the nectar of the, the, the Nava Kalevar, the new, newly nourished form of Jagannath. And, you know, they practically, they have to like drag them away or forcibly close the curtains and shut down the darshan because they will never tire of this. They never get enough. And that point is made there uh, uh, in the religion of, heart, of the heart. So I told Gurudev, there are things in this book that are not even in the pages of Chaitanya Chart. Hare Krishna. <laughs> so, a verse leading up to that Advaita part says, Tvam Bhakti Yoga Paribhavita Hritsaroja it's very beautiful. And he says, Bhakti Yoga. I've said this before, that Bhakti Yoga is like a surabhi cow, and we've been milking the Bhakti Yoga surabhi cow as long as I can remember, from the 70s, for the promotion of Krishna consciousness. Because finally, when, I mean, you actually know, you know <laughs> but when we, you know, they would come and see, and they go, what kind of yoga is this? We say, the yoga of the heart, the yoga of love, you know. What is, who's going to say, well, I don't like that. <laughs> I'm here for something else. But anyway, so it says, from bhakti yoga, and ironically, we're, it's not like we're uh, fibbing, you know, we're not telling the truth. Yogi nama pi sarve sham madgatein antaratmana shradhavan bhajate yomam samay yukta tamo mataha. 
at the conclusion of the yoga chapter, Krishna says, and of all the yogis, he decides there's this kind, that kind, this kind, that kind. The best, the highest, is, you know, the bhakta. So actually it is the goal of yoga, but it's just been very convenient for us. But here, tam bhakti yoga paribhavita hritsaroja. Saying the hrit means the heart, saroja. So it's saying the lotus of the heart. The heart is like a lotus. And this lotus of the heart is nourished by Krishna katha and hari katha. Sadhu Shastra Guru hearing from them, it nourishes the heart. Right? Prabhupada says in one place, the voice of the pure devotees <laughs> is saturated with saffron mercy particles from the holy lotus feet of Krishna. And when that enters the ear, it's like sprinkling of these saffron mercy particles on the heart, lotus of the heart and it's blossoming. What more can we say? <laughs> but it goes on. So it's saying, and ase shutekshitapato. This is very nice. It's saying, so this path is the, it's the path of seeing through the ear, seeing by hearing. That's how you see spiritually, by hearing. The, otherwise the senses are the default position of the senses is deception, right? And um, imperfect reading and so many, you know, Brahm, Pramad, Vipralipsha, Karanapatava. Right? But here, if you can hear, whatever your position is, because something, well, let me explain the details. Stanestita means whatever your position is. Modern world, ancient world, this world, that, it doesn't, you know, left, right, or center, up, or down, whatever your position is. If you begin hearing from uh, an agent of the Lord, right, the authorized agents of the Absolute, right, hearing from them, Shraddhan Vito Anushanaya then there's the awakening of faith right, and its development. So the beginning of uh, seeing really is uh, hearing. That is the point. So when we read in Bhagavad Gita, and, and there's gradations of seeing, right, that we must always remember, gradations of seeing the infinite, of seeing Krishna. So in the Bhagavad Gita, there's the section on like the universal form of the Lord and also in the Bhagavatam, seeing the mountains as his bones, the tree as the hairs, the rivers as his vein, veins, that's also a type of seeing, the virat, to see the world uh, because it's, it, it's uh, also come from him. It, so as, and again, uh, announced in the Bhagavatam, everything is directly or indirectly Krishna. So the indirect method, direct method. So that's one type of seeing. Then the Vibhuti section, where he's saying, you know, when you see the best of something, that's the representation of the divinity. Uh, we don't have to feel... Um, ashamed or embarrassed about that. Sometimes we see some, you know, Shabdake Purusham Nishu, some extraordinary human feat. We can say, yeah, you know, jai to that and see it as a, uh, how do you say, a representation of the infinite. It's okay, you know. He says, Rasoham Absukontea, I am the taste of water. Very nice. Rasoham, Apsu, Kontea. And obviously that could be developed in another way. You know. And he says, Prabhasmi, Shashi Shuryayo. Prabha means light. So he's saying, I'm the light of the sun and the moon. So when you see sunlight or you see a sunrise, 
you think, oh, the, the lotus eyes of Vishnu have been compared to a sunrise. How beautiful this is. As beautiful this is, then hmm, how much more beautiful must be the eyes of the Supreme Lord. That's also a way of seeing. Shashi Shur, you know, the light of the sun and the moon, moonlight. To this day, moonlight is fascinating. It's extraordinary. And when Guru Maharaj says uh, in this talk that begins with all phases of the infinite are infinite, at one point he goes, <laughs> he says, the scientists, they've spoiled the moon. <laughs> and he's saying, because the moon was like always the, he said honeymoon. I mean, Guru Maharaj even mentioned honeymoon. And then the moon of romantic poetry is always there, you know, the moon, moonlit romantic, romantic nights. And what's the original one? You know, on the banks of the Jamuna. We're always told the moon on the banks of the Jamuna and a certain time of year and this season and there's Krishna, you know, and with his pastimes of the Brajagopis. But Guru Maharaj said, they've spoiled the moon, these scientists. They went there and they come back and say, look, it's just, you know, rocks or dust or whatever. That's from an objective point of view. But still, even ha having heard that or seen that or observed that, we still can't get over the, the, the natural beauty of moon and moonlight. Right? It's so um, uh, enchanting. So that's a, that's a certain level of seeing. But um, more uh, developed is hearing Bhagavad Kata from the devotees, book Bhagavad, person Bhagavad. Srila Prabhupada likes so much this series of verses, Srinvatam Svakata Krishna, Punya Sravana Kirtana, Ridyantasyo Hyavadrani Vidunoti Saritsatam, Nashta Prayesha Vidreshu, Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya, it's, it's saying the Bhagavad, the eternal service of the Bhagavatam is hearing it like we do. Right? Hearing Sravanam, you know, if, if we do this for the pleasure of Krishna, Atma Samarpanam, then it's Seva, it's Bhagavad Seva. And it's told there that by continually hearing the Bhagavatam faithfully, that gradually the Abhadras, the unwanted things, uh, you know, acquired prejudice, acquired tendency, layers covering the heart, they gradually start to vanish. And what's described here is a tipping point. It's saying, nashta prayesh abhadreshu. Prayesh means that it's uh, not complete, not 100%. So we know some things, when they cross a certain point, then the rest happens very... Uh, Easily, right? When it that's what it's called, the tipping point. Reach a certain point, then the rest goes, and uh, uh, rapidly. That's what's being described about the Bhagavad at a particular point uh, of devotional impact. You can say it reaches a, temp a tipping point, and that devotee um, easily uh, and fully embraces Krishna conception. So. Um, Mm. Oh, uh, Bhagavata, Bhagavat Kata, hearing. So we will, um, um, uh, we should say that hearing from Krishna loving people, from genuine devotees, that is really the beginning of seeing Krishna. Remember, seeing Krishna as an infinite. Young Shamasandaram Achintya Guna Swarup. He has an inconceivable divine form. It's inconceivable the beauty of Krishna. But by hearing from them, some impression comes to the heart. Back to Twambhakti Yoga Paribhavita Ritsaroja. Some impression is made there. Right? That's the, the seed of Krishna conception. So we will hear in the Bhagavatam uh, the example of the Vipra Patnis, right? the um, wives of the Yagyak Brahmins, 
we're told, these Brahmins, they are uh, doing a yajna in the Vrindavan forest, and nearby are Krishna, Balaram, and the cowherd boys. So, just as a side point, think of the possibilities there are in Vrindavan. <laughs> like, around the, bend, around the corner are Krishna, Balaram, and the cowherd boys. So, lest we think offensively of these yogic Brahmins, they're in Vrindavan, around the corner from Krishna, Balaram. You know, how they achieved that position is not nothing. To play this part in this pastime. But they are too addicted to niyam, to uh, you know, rules, regulations, procedures, things like that. Like this property, the professor, he was the head of Sanskrit department at the University of California, Berkeley, J. Fritz Stahl, and he had some correspondence with Prabhupada. And it's ironically beautiful that he, found, he established this place to be a Sanskrit school. And his, um, what do you say? The, dying wish. Yes, dying wish. <laughs> was that, eternal wish. yes, eternal wish, dying wish, converting into eternal wish, is that Sanskrit would be vibrated here. But he wanted it you know, to be like perfectly. So I think what he ended up getting were, the perfect slokas, maybe not vibrated perfectly as he envisioned, <laughs> but the perfect slokas, because we're told in the beginning of the Bhagavatam that the, the, it, there may be some uh, faults in terms of delivery, but not in the substance. Right? The method of, the, there might be, you know, um, some, what is the famous example? of the, um, I forget right now, but of Sanskrit, the, the Brahman who he says that perfectly, the other person who's a non-Brahman who says it imperfectly, but his heart is in the right place. That's another one also, yes. Right, and <clears throat> on his way to South India. so. Um, anyway, so these yogic Brahmins, and Krishna, of course, he knows everything. So he's, and remember, their pastimes that we read about in the Bhagavatam, we'll hear so many right, about Aghasura and Bakasura and, you know, uh, Drivida Gorilla and Pralambasura, and it'll be mentioned in one place. Every day, these pastimes were happening nonstop. But these are a few like prominent ones. But it's like it's a typical day. Right? <laughs> so with pastimes like that, you develop a hunger. <laughs> so Krishna, Balaram, the cowherd boys, they're hungry, and Krishna tells the cowherd boys, Oh, there's some Brahmins nearby doing a yagya. Why don't you approach them? And um, you know, and tell them that Krishna and Balarama are nearby and uh, they can offer something and we can have for lunch. And, and Krishna, with a little bit of uh, ironic humor, says, don't mention my name because I'm just a Vaisha. But Balaram, he, has, he could be considered a Chatriya, so you know, higher class, the, above the middle line means Chatriyas and Brahmins. Go in Balaram's name and ask for something. <laughs> and when they go there, the Brahmins are indignant. And what are you boys saying? You know, we have so many more. What we're on? You know, we're not even halfway through the book here. We have so many other mantras, the chants, mudras to make. You know, ghee to pour. Uh, you know, and at the appropriate time, then everything will uh, the prasadam will be distributed. But not right now. The cowherd boys come back empty-handed. But Krishna, they're, they're disappointed that they come back without anything. And then we're told Krishna is just smiling. And because what is Krishna's purpose? Always to shine a spotlight on devotion. Repeatedly, 
That is what he wants to do. He always wants to shine a spotlight on the devotion of particular devotees. So he tells them, oh, well then, go ask their wives. We're told, when they come and ask the wives who have been making things all morning, they're, they're besides themselves with ecstatic joy and at the opportunity that has come to them. And this is my point about recognizing the opportunity that is before you. They, we can understand if you apply different sorts of analysis, particularly given by Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur, how many lifetimes you could say for them to achieve this position. Sanatan goes on the famous verse, Janma Karma Chame Divyam, Evam Yo Veti Tattvataha, Chaktva Deham Punar Janma Naiti Mao Meti Sorjana. He's saying, if by hearing you come to understand the transcendental nature of how, you know, a Jopi san of how the, how the unborn, appears to be born, right? how the Supreme Lord, whose trigunatita, beyond the modes of nature, has his karma, his play, his, his karma is lila, karma, etc. If you understand that is dibya, it is all divine, it is subjective, the, the, it is a, the manifest pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, saying, then, tyaktva deham punar janmanaiti, uh, After giving up this body, you won't have to take birth again. Right? And what muktir hitvanyata rupam swaropena vibastiti. You're on the way on the to the swarup. And it's mentioned, uh, Sanatana Goswami says, what this means is that they as Krishna's pastimes are going from universe to universe, 125 years, that the, that such a realized devotee is transferred to the womb of a Brajagopi, and in one of the universes where Krishna his manifest pastimes, are there, they're born there. Right. So then think about it. When and as described by uh, uh, the Yajna, uh, the Viprapatnis. They haven't seen Krishna yet, but they've heard about him. And how have they heard about him? From uh, fruit sellers, right? people's, and we've heard, they still do it in India, where like people go through the street, they do it here sometimes too, and they cry out to let everyone in the area know that they're selling something, you know, and then that brings the people out. and. So we're told when, when the fruit sellers would come, they'd come out and they'd say, did you hear what happened the other day? What? This boy, Krishna, and the, the Kaliya serpent, and they tell them the pastimes of the Kaliya Leela, or some other extraordinary pastime. So these young girls, they're hearing these things. Right? Nama, Rupa, Guna, Leela. From sound, the form of the Lord is revealed. So by hearing about him, and they're hearing what he looks like, how he moves, how he behaves, what are his qualities, what are his pastimes, and that's awakening this eagerness in their hearts to meet Krishna. Um, sometimes Guru Maharaj described it as Purva rag, or the type of uh, raga bhakti that manifests before meeting, in anticipation. Right? So it's the beginning, it's the beginning of seeing Krishna. Right? So, and taking it that if you follow Sanatana Goswami's analysis, so how pure their hearts are. So when they're hearing, it's of a very perfect type and a very uh, substantial Krishna conception is in their hearts. They're really beginning to see Krishna in a substantial way. 
So how many lifetimes to achieve that position? Prabhupada liked the sloka that says, Krita punya punya, itam sukham, brahma sukhanabhutya, dasagatanam, paradevatena, about the cowherd boys. And say, how many heaps of pious activities they must have performed now that they can play as friends of the personality of God. So similarly, and all these variations, but these ladies, so to reach this position, and now the opportunity is presented before them. The test, their husbands just failed miserably. And they're, so, they're grabbing everything they can, everything they have, without hesitation. We hear sometimes, whether in their case or the case of the Brajagopis, how, uh, and, and we can relate to this if you've ever really been in a hurry, that they put their clothes on backwards or put the wrong ornament on the wrong limb of the body. So how, from one point of view, it's a little bit humorous. You see these women running and their clothes are on backwards, their ornaments are all over the place. They're just madly running <laughs> towards Krishna. <laughs> Reminds me of Gurudev saying, they dress better than us. <laughs> But anyway, so they're, they're coming. They're answering the call. They cannot not answer it, put it down. The Krishna is so compelling to them. They've waited so long for this moment. They're just madly running toward Krishna. And we're told they come to a clearing in the Vrindavan forest. And imagine, there's all the cowherd boys. And then there's Krishna, Balra, and we're told, Krishna... He's like leaning on one of the cowherd boys on his shoulder, and in his hand, he has a multi-petaled lotus flower, and he's twirling the lotus flower and smiling. datu prabala <laughs> It's describing how beautiful he looks. Shyamam Hiranya Parida. So he's Shyama Sundar Krishna with the Achintya Guna Swarup, but um, golden, the Hiranya, golden like Dodi, Shyamam Hiranya Parida, Banama, wearing a garland of forest flowers. Sometimes we think, oh, they must not be very nice. They're flowers from the Vrindavan forest. How beautiful they must be. How inconceivably wonderful they must be. They're flowers and they're chinmoy flowers, which means they're completely conscious. The garments are conscious. The flowers are conscious. The trees are conscious. The, and they're not just conscious, they're Krishna conscious. Right? They're, uh, you say, enriched with the highest sort of dedicating tendency. Otherwise, they wouldn't be a flower in Vrindavan. They'd be a flower in Baikuntha or a flower somewhere else. But to be a flower in Vrindavan, like the children, when they come from, from school and say to the parents, oh, we're having a play, right? No, play, Leela. We're having a play. And they go, oh, what, what, what is your... Part. They go, I'm a flower. <laughs> right? And they're all excited. And then they have a costume with petal, their face in the center and petals and everything. And they're very happy to be a flower. So how happy could someone be to be a flower in Vrindavan and then to be plucked and put on a garland around Krishna? It's inconceivable. Right? But he's there right, twirling that lotus flower smiling, and the, the ladies come and see him. And we're told, as the flower is uh, rotating, their hearts start spinning. And they're, they're imbued with conjugal sentiments, and they're about to faint. That's one interpretation. There can be multi-levels. Another is that Krishna's heart is also 
whirling to because if he says if their hearts are whirling then his heart is whirling you know syncopated uh, what is it you know mutual that type of exchange so saying they've and this shows the the um, reality of the substance of what they are feeling is that uh, the offering. They didn't come empty-handed. They came to serve. Right? And so later, uh, they expressed their feelings and Krishna uh, acknowledges that, sends them uh, back to their husbands, and we're told when their husbands come to their senses, and actually realize the superior position of their wives and their superior devotion. That, and there's this verse, these where they go, dig this, dig janma, dig. you know, the, it means they're condemned to hell with our birth, Brahmins, to hell with our rituals, to hell with, they're, they're condemning everything about themselves. They're saying the personality of Godhead, supreme, came before us and offered us a serving opportunity. And, and we, we're, we're uh, riveted uh, you know, to the stereotype, the spiritual stereotype of our ritualistic performances, saying that will give us something. We're so authentic right? to do everything the right way, the precise, you know, we're following the Vedic. Uh, right? But why are the Brajagopis so much praised? They crossed over all of that. No, uh, and Ragabhakti, no um, rule, regulation, or even scriptural advice, injunction should interfere with or constrain the natural flow of heart. So, they uh, condemned themselves, and from that moment on, they saw their wives as guru. Right? So that uh, is a type of seeing. Uh, but it began with hearing, and that's the good news for us. Right? Same thing with Queen Rukmini, Sutva Gunan Bhuvana Sundarasranvatamte. Remember, she technically, we can say, oh, they're eternally um, connected in their divine pastimes. True, but yoga maya is, you know, the, the, all these pastimes are cast and scripted by yoga maya and Baladev to um, intensify the ecstatic emotions, intensify the feelings of heart. So technically, up to this point, she's not seen Krishna. She's only heard about him. But what she's heard about him, she can understand. No one else uh, can lay claim to her heart. Right? So where she's writing this letter, and as I've mentioned, normally when there's a kidnapping, the kidnappers send the ransom note. Say, we've got her here, uh, pay this much money, or you know, that kind of thing. But here, what's so beautiful is she's writing the note inviting Krishna to kidnap her, which is what every devotee should do. Uh, we're trapped in karmic circumstances. We should invite Krishna to kidnap us. Maybe that's the only way. <laughs> so, you know, what does it say? Pravishta karna randrena svanam bhavam saroruham dunoti shamalam krishna shalayasya yatasharat That through, uh, we should in, uh, uh, invite Krishna to land in the heart. What is that man's name at the mat, the teacher, relative? Somyasham, I think was his name. He was a delightful devotee. 
had some family connection, but beyond that, really uh, devotee. And he liked uh, to come and hear Harikata from Srila Guru Maharaj. And Guru Maharaj liked him to be there because he asked good questions and he brought out good things. Uh, he inspired Guru Maharaj. And one of the things he said, that, uh, he would just say this one thing and then Guru Maharaj, they would both laugh and Guru Maharaj was talking. He said, uh, our, um, it is our good fortune that Krishna is a thief. And then he and Guru Maharaj would start laughing very delightfully. And Guru Maharaj would then explain and say, yes, because it, why is it our good fortune that Krishna is a thief? He said, a thief needs no invitation. Right? No one invites thieves to come and rob them. Right? The thieves are entering for their own purpose. Right? Actually, we're trying to keep them out. Right? He said, but a thief enters for his own purpose. He said, so in this case, Chris, it is our good fortune, Krishna is a thief. And he wants our hearts. So he said, stealthily, Krishna will enter. How does he enter? Through hearing. Back to that point. By hearing about Krishna. When that Brahma Gita, which Guru Maharaj, it's supposed to be his specialty, and which, for the most part, there's nothing we can say about it. That's the Brahmar Gita back behind the closed doors of Rama, uh, Mahaprabhu, Ramananda, Srupadamadar. But one verse, on one level, is somewhat approachable. Where Radharani says, Yatkarna Piyushu, no, I just, I said, what is the verse? Yes, thank you. Pavan, he's the savior. Yadanucharite lila karna piyusha viprut. Piyush is a beautiful Sanskrit word that means nectar. And she's saying, Yad Anucharita Lila, just by hearing about Krishna. She's, uh, and I should say, she's voicing this as a complaint, a lament. She's saying, like, how you get ruined by Krishna consciousness, how you're a goner once, what you hear about Krishna. She's saying, this is how it all happens. This is how it starts. You hear about him, and then a drop of this. Karnamritam, this Krishna, Krishna nectar for the ear goes through your ear and then again that drop on the heart she says then dharma vinashta you're finished your life is ruined <laughs> but everything she's saying can be inverted so what she's saying you know, a, a, the potency of hearing about Krishna is such that a drop of Krishna kata on the heart will finish your life, your material life, your material existence. And the other part of the complaint is she's saying, and then, you know, you become homeless. Right? And wandering like, like birds, the, you know, for your sustenance. You know, you find a little something here, a little something there. And what do the Bhagavad commentators say? That bird, those homeless birds, you become, what is that? Paramahangsa. You become a Paramahangsa, extracting only the most essential thing. Right? Like the Saragrahi Vaishnava. So that's the power of a drop of hearing uh, about Krishna when it touches the heart. So, uh, Rukmini, hey, when in her letter, five slokas, it's mentioned uh, in the Bhagavatam and also when Mahaprabhu goes to the house of Chandrasekhar Acharya and he's going to Devi Bhav, he's going to become Rukmini and actually Adya Shakti, Every he's showing according again to all those devotees how their hearts appreciate the Lord, he's reciprocating that. So they say all forms of shakti 
In some instances, Rajarani, Rukmini, others, Adya Shakti, Mahakali, everything. But it's there that we're told Mahaprabhu, when he goes into this Devi Bhav, and everyone is astonished to see, like, it's Rukmini, looking, everything dressed like completely Rukmini, and um, sitting on the ground, and we're told tears are pouring down the eyes, and with his finger, that the, the tears come down, and they touch the finger, and they become the ink. So with those tears, and he's writing this, Shrutva gunan bhuvana sundara when I heard about you, I understood you're the most beautiful thing in the world, and more than that. And then I understood why there is hearing. We think that hearing about Krishna is like an option that you can exercise. Now you've got these choices. You can hear all these mundane things, or you can hear Krishna, or a little bit of both, or, you know. Depends on what kind of mood you're in. <laughs> but what she's saying is, no, the reason you have an, uh, and, and believe me, the auditory sense, each one of the senses is astonishing. The senses in themselves prove, give proof of the spiritual existence. Right? So, but when it comes to hearing, she's saying, and it's echoed, Interestingly, by Sukadev Goswami in the second canto of the Bhagavatam, by Radharani again in the uh, Madhyalila of Charitamritam. And we're just saying, this is the only reason th that you have hearing. To use it for anything else is tragic. Right? He's saying, why would you let something else come into your ear? than this sort of divine nectarine substance, either in the form of the holy name of Krishna, the flute song of Krishna, or the Krishna kata. So she's saying, and, and what does it allude to? She's saying, then I understood, you're the most beautiful thing in the world. And why? Hearing about you is the beginning of seeing. Srutva, then, and that hearing has the marvelous effect of relieving us of all the suffering of material existence. Then, rupam dusham dushimatam akilartalabam. And then, from that sound description of you, is revealed your divine form. And I think, and when you've got that, you'll think, akilartalabam. I have everything. It's echoing, but even more clearly, the Samadhi Sloka of the Bhagavad Gita, where it says, Yam labdva chapram labam manyate nadikam tataha. When you've achieved this, you'll think, there's no greater gain. So you think, and then, now, and seeing you, and, and what? Now I realize why we have eyes there to allow us to drink the beauty of your divine form. Each one of the senses in this way. So she says, Twayachuta, Achuta, Pashati, Patra, Patram. So I'm shamelessly asking you to kidnap me. <laughs> It's very beautiful. I'm, I'm uh, surrounded karmically. I can't escape this situation. It seems the only way out is if you come and rescue me. You kidnap me. Right. So just to conclude, I'm thinking when someone asked Guru Maharaj, this devotee whose faith had been damaged, he wanted to know if Guru Maharaj had seen Krishna. And the way he presented it was very clever. Because in other words, we say, people who say they've seen Krishna, we dismiss them out of hand as being bogus or imitationist, you know, uh, charlatans. But here's what he said, but I know that you're not such a person. Yes, we know in general, but 
we know that you are a substantial devotee. So you, substantial devotee of Krishna, I'm asking you. And Guru Maharaj said, he said, if I have to answer that question, and he referred to Srila Saraswati Thakur, and once two chairs were drawn, Guru Maharaj was sort of like Jaimini Rishi in the bushes, and this man leaned forward to, with Saraswati Thakur and said, have you seen Krishna? <laughs> and Saraswati Thakur said, if I told you that I have and I haven't, then what? And if I have and I told you I haven't, then what? what is, he said, learn how to see Krishna. Right? And we're back to this hearing uh, from substantial, from Saru Shastra Guru Vaishnava, right? Shravanam. But Guru Maharaj said, if I have to answer this question, he said, I do not have the audacity to say that I've seen Krishna. Said, but what I will say is according to Saru Shastra Guru and Vaishnav, there are signs you should see along the way, and I'm seeing those signs. Hare Krishna. <laughs>